You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto Podcast, where you'll learn advanced strategies, tactics, and tips for actually selling your music. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Now, here's your host, John Ojaka. All right, yeah, John Ojaka here, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Music Marketing Manifesto Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking to an artist that I've had the pleasure to work with over the last few months. Her name is Geneva Magnus. She's an independent blues artist, and she started her own record label called Fathead Records. She did that with the help of uh, producer Dave Darling. He is a uh, co-founder of the label. Also, Niels Schroeder. He is the general manager, formerly of uh, Surf Dog Records. Uh, and now NCS Entertainment, and yours truly, myself. I've been brought on as the marketing director for the label, and we put out her, uh, Genova's, uh, album. That was the first release, of course, for the label. And uh, the album, we're uh, pretty proud to announce, debuted at number five on Billboard's Blues Chart and actually was the number one record at Blues Radio for much of the summer. So uh, you're going to probably be hearing a lot about this from me over the coming months, um, hoping to even put together some training to try to outline what we did at some point. However, I thought it only appropriate that we uh, have Geneva join us here on the podcast and just really talk about the success that she had and uh, what she did and really just give you an artist's perspective on starting your own label and doing it the right way because Geneva's, uh, you know, she's not a newcomer to the music business. She's been around for a while. Uh, as she'll say in the interview, she's been uh, recording music and performing for about three decades, and she knows her stuff. She is the real deal, very talented woman um, who has a great album on her hands, and she has actually been uh, on labels. You know, this is not, uh, again, her first release. This is her 11th album, and she released the last three on Alligator Records, which is the world's largest uh, blues record label, to my knowledge, and she felt that she needed to step away and do things uh, on her own for reasons that she'll explain in the interview. And, uh, you know, I, again, I, I'm just, uh, I'm really proud of her and our team and the success that we had. And I want to share the story with you. So uh, without further ado, I've got Geneva Magnus on the line. Geneva, how are you doing today? I'm great, John. How are you doing? I am. I am good. As we discussed a little early in the morning for me <laughs> compared to uh, yeah. you there in Los Angeles, but, um, but I am doing well. So, um, you, before we, you know, well, first off, I really appreciate you uh, being here and, and doing this with me. I think um, your your success story is going to be an inspiration to a lot of independent artists. Um, before we really jump in, I, I think we should kind of maybe start at the end and then go back to the beginning and just talk about results. Because you've recently okay. uh, put out, what is it, your 11th album, was it? Right, it's my 11th uh, CD released under my name uh, this year, June of 2014, put that out, and uh, it's pretty exciting. Right, pretty exciting. And, and this is the first album that you've ever released on your own record label, correct? It is, um, actually, no, I started out fully independent, um, just nobody would give me a record deal, so I'm just going to do this myself because I'm tired of waiting mm-hmm. on that person, but that was, um, you know, quite some time ago. Um, I did two records that way, uh, released uh, a cassette under my own name because that was the state of the art. I'm dating myself, but I don't care <laughs> at the time. And then I released um, a CD uh, with my ex-husband of all original songs, and we printed a maximum of a 1,000 of those and sold those at gigs and got them around to promo and publicity. Then I signed with a small indie label in New Jersey, then I signed with us and did three releases. I sm- signed with a small indie label in Canada, did two releases, and then I signed with Alligator Records, um, who is the largest blues label in the world, and did three releases over six years with Alligator. Now I'm back to my own. Gotcha, gotcha. So, but would it be fair to say that, um, as compared to those early releases, this is um, you're doing things a bit different. This is a sort of a real label with a real team, as opposed to more just putting out music so that it exists and supporting it with live shows. Is there a difference between the the two setups? 
absolute difference, complete difference. Um, nothing wrong with being the only person on the team, nothing wrong with being every member of the staff. I did that for a long time. I think it's important. I think it was really an important learning curve for me. But the difference between that and then and the release um, of original, which is the record we're talking about, titled Original, um, that came out in June of this year, is um, a completely different wheelhouse. Having a staff, having a, a modest staff of of uh, teamers on that are seasoned professionals, um, it's just a whole other wheelhouse, man. It's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Very cool. Why don't you tell folks how it did? So again, we're gonna we're gonna back up and go into the details. But you you released your album in in June on your very own record label, and how'd it do? It's been crazy. Um, it's been moving very fast. So um, it charted in the top five on Billboard on debut, the first run of manufacturing sold out before the street date. I had to hurry up and run a second uh, manufacturing before the street date to fulfill the orders. Um, The radio um, multiple charts, meaning multiple genres, not just blues, but also Americana has been um, really stellar. We've charted as the number one blues song for consecutive weeks running um, three separate times. Uh, never in the history of my recording career. Now, again, this is 11 releases. This is my 11th release. Never have I had one album have multiple songs in the top 20 on multiple charts at the same time. I know that sounds a little confusing. So I had as many as six songs in the blues charts in the top 20 at the same time. What do we call that, my friend? (laughs) We call it some sort of cosmic, uh, you know, uh, cosmic level domination or something. I mean, (laughs) it was just wild. And, 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 and here's the thing that I thought, um, I thought at a certain level I was jumping without a net. Now I have a critical team in place, critical marketing, people that really, really, really know what they're doing, um, a general manager, a producer, um, and collaborative songwriter um, who's been a friend of a very long time, key person in place to help navigate the um, manufacture, you know, the production of the songs and putting it together and then ultimately the release and the launch, um, you know, a general manager for the label so that it's not me because I am the artist and I'm doing a whole ton of stuff, but I can't do everything. It's really important to have critical, um, carefully selected team members in place. It has gone way beyond anything I ever expected. And I'm really, really happy. So that's part of the net, but the other part of the net that has been so blatantly different for me has been the fans because I've I've built over the course of 11 releases, over the course of 38 years I've been doing this too. I've built a very loyal following. I've built a very loyal following of people. But here's what I didn't have in place. I didn't really know how to engage them in a marketing sense. Right. I didn't know how to properly engage them. And basically, you've done that. And it's blowing my mind. It's blowing it out of the water, man. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks. Killer. Um, it has been incredible to see. And again, we'll, we'll back up and we'll talk about this more. But uh, as someone who's been sort of managing that marketing side of things uh, for Genova on this album, I've never seen anything like this in terms of engagement, in terms of just outpouring of love coming from these fans. And if, if it's okay to say so, because I don't want people listening to be intimidated while you have been out there for a long time and you really have you're you're the real deal. You're one of these artists who's just a lifer. You are performing, uh, what is it, a, yeah. a couple hundred shows a year? Is, is that fair to say on average? Or, you know, it's up there at the very least? Between 150 and 200 a year. That's about right. 200 right. a year is a good year, you know? Yeah, and you've been out there for a long time doing it, and you have built a lot of love. But, 
you know, like a lot of artists, certainly like myself before focusing on all this online stuff, you, you weren't doing a ton to galvanize those fans. And so while you had some people that kind of found you on their own through Facebook and you had a mailing list, it wasn't an insurmountable number. You didn't have 200,000 people on your mailing list or anything like that. And I, I, I just want people oh, no. to not be intimidated by this because the numbers that you had are achievable, I, I think, by by uh, anyone. And yet you were able to do something pretty astonishing with with those numbers and but yeah looking at just the conversion rates and the click-through rates and these kinds of numbers that I see all the time um, because as most of my listeners know I'm all about the math and trying to put together as many equations as I can to get these consistent ROIs I've never seen click rates as high as consistently high. You know, we'll we'll put out these ads on Facebook and get 14% click through rates and things like that, which I've literally never seen anything higher. And your conversion rates to sales are stellar and all all of these things. But I don't want to get too um, far off track because I think we need to kind of cycle back and and start from the beginning without spending too much time because we could probably talk for three hours just on you as an artist. And what we really want to get to here is uh, the the details on starting your own label, but why don't you give people a little bit of a sense of, of, of who you are as an artist, your, the, the sort of 60-second version of your backstory and uh, what, what gets us to this point. Right. So I am um, a recording artist that um, resisted songwriting for a long time. That's the other element that we haven't really put out there yet. And so now, so now I'm in the songwriter's arena. It's my 11th release. I've been, somebody's been giving me money for singing songs for like 38 years. Um, I've, I've been on three independent, um, blues labels and now I'm back to my very own. Um, and I tour the States, Canada and Europe. My email list in the, in the scheme of things, um, is actually very, very modest. Um, you know, we're around 3000 right now. And and that's part of the beauty of what's been happening, um, with regard to the release, because, um, it's not a massive email list, but they are engaged. They're really, really deeply engaged on this release, and and it's very exciting to witness. Yeah, it's very exciting to to feel the sense of of the fact that I thought I was jumping without a net, but I wasn't. I just didn't know how to use the net. I didn't know how to engage the net. I didn't know how to manifest them stepping forward with me to lift me up because that's what's been happening. Sure, it's been. It's been profound and it's been beautiful and it's been exhausting and um you know i'm i couldn't be happier that's the truth that's awesome that's awesome well you mentioned that you were on alligator records and and as you also mentioned alligator records is the largest blues label in the world so what happened so you put out three records and now you at at some point you're inspired to say you know what i'm going to start my own label and put out my own record and and do it the way that I want to do it. Why did that happen? And, and what prompted you to make that decision? It was a series of a series of events over the course of six years. I was really happy to sign with Alligator. Um, they have a really big hammer. You know what I mean? And you need a really big hammer if you want to be a vital artist um, in the world that does what I do. Um, and I'm assuming anyone that's listening to this interview is going to already understand Music Business 101. You sign a record deal, the translation is you get a loan from a record company, and then there are various um, details in the contract, which are how you basically pay back the loan that the record company gives to you to make the record, and then you use their um, infrastructure for publicity and promotions in place. That's part of the exchange. You have to give up a certain amount of control, depending on how good your attorney is that negotiates it. That's another part of the exchange. And then you have to go on tour and pay back pennies at a time, literally pennies at a time, pay back the loan by selling merchandise on tour. And I could have stayed with Alligator on this release if I was willing to allow them to have more control, if I was willing to allow them to um, navigate the ship of this particular release, and I, the short version is, I just realized I couldn't do that any longer. But I needed to make this record be exactly what I needed it to be. I needed to serve the songs in as true of a form as I possibly could, which meant not being open 
not being subject to anybody else's agenda, not being subject to anyone else's input or feedback as to, you know, I don't like that lyric, that doesn't make sense to me, I don't like that song, I don't like that guitar part, I don't like that, I didn't have to deal with any of that in order to to cut off that kind of input. I had to be fully independent. Right. It turned out to be really frightening in the decision-making process. And I've literally worked my ass off, as have the, the small, modest team members that have come on board. But the, the payoff has been tenfold to witness, you know what I mean? Sure. But it was really, really frightening. There was a lot of flop sweating going on in the beginning, you know what I mean? But right. I just needed to, I really needed to put this record out and be fully independent in order to serve the music. Right. You know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, John, that's the at least it is for me. I have to serve the music. If I can't do that, then I'm really doing something wrong. I also have to be able to operate a business. Sure. I have to be able to operate as a businesswoman. So I can't, you know, those days of just being the artist and being out there and just being all arty all the time. <laughs> I, I don't even know any people that do that. I don't know. I don't know who those people are. I don't uh, even know those people, man. You uh, know what I mean? I don't. I don't know they, who they. They are. leave nasty comments on my on my Facebook ads. That's who they are. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Bye bye. But mm. but I just um, I love business. That's a critical element. Now I I love being in business, and I love I'm I'm a pretty hands on artist. Um, so that's been a really, really helpful element. I've always been that person. I'm a bit of a maniac. That's also meaning I, I work very long hours, sure. you know, and that's also um, really served me in my career and really served to be a critical piece of making the leap forward, making the leap forward to be fully independent. But I'm telling you, there's not one piece of it that's a mistake. Right, right. That's I can awesome. look back over my shoulder right now since the, since since the beginning of the decision, um, which happened at the end of last year, to actually go fully independent on this thing, um, even though you know the release didn't actually manifest until the 24th of June 2014. There's a lot that happens behind, you know, behind the scenes before that to ramp up to it. Nothing was a mistake. Right. It was all absolutely right and absolutely the right move to do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you you touched on something and I, I want to sort of go back to it. Really that difference between when you were first out there just kind of making music and getting on the road and you needed some product to sell. So you uh, essentially, I don't know if you called it a label at the time, but basically you put out your own records and you were just kind of doing, uh, from my perception anyway, what I'd say 99% of artists are doing. They're they're making music, they're recording it, they're packaging it, and then they're performing, but they're really not doing much more than that. There's not an actual label. There's not an actual business. There's not a lot of talk of return on investment in any kind of calculatable, if that's a word, way. Um, and now what you're doing, you know, you've got a real team. You've got people that have put out records um, many times in their careers. You, you've got marketing and a GM, uh, radio and publicity. And you, you've got, while it's, uh, you know, you're working on a budget and it's a small and sort of m modest team, it's a, it's a very different situation than what the average artist is doing. You're approaching this like a, like a real business. And obviously you're seeing success, I, I think, as a result. So um, you want to kind of talk about that for people. What does your label look like? What makes the wheels go round? What, what are the main components that are leading to uh, the success that you're having so that an independent artist can get a sense of what they need to do. So if, if they want to truly put out their own records, truly start a record label and not just be another artist that has uh, released an album, packaged it up, and then has a thousand copies sitting in their basement. Right, right, right. Great question. So um, it starts with go get a business license. Be legitimate. Be legit. I think my experience is that if, if, as an artist, when I made the decision to stop being so far under the radar, UTR, under the radar, when I was really far under the radar and didn't even have a business license, I was really far under the radar and didn't even have a business license, but 
I'd say start with getting a business license because it just it makes a statement. It almost I don't want to get too cosmic on us in this conversation, but it makes a statement to the universe and it makes a statement to the business world about my intent. And let me tell you, let me tell the listeners that intention is an incredibly powerful thing. It really is. Intention. You know what I mean? Check Webster's. Intent is an incredibly powerful thing. So um, it it makes a statement of very bold and strong intention to the universe. Get a business license. Start there. Get registered as a business in um, the arenas that will reflect that so that when someone Googles your name, that information comes up. Do you know what I mean? As a business. Um, um, in terms of the team that I have in place that I was, uh, you know, I, I feel like the universe was really smiling at me when this happened. Um, um, you know, in the process of um, having a general, you know, uh, putting the record out, um, um, we got a general manager for the label um, who is a 25-year veteran of the industry, and five years ago, he left the fold of the bigger uh, companies, so to speak, if you will, because he just got tired of it, and he wanted to just work with smaller independent artists. Um, he's come on board as a general manager, and so his advisement and his expertise has been has been really, really priceless. Dave Darling, who's my producer, who's also pretty vested in the record and vested in the company, um, who has lots and lots of years of um, experience, um, is really been a mentor and um, advising and bringing in um, critical people. And then, John, I have you, if I can say this in the interview, of I course. think I can, Please. Um, as mar- marketing director. <laughs> yeah. Which I just feel like God just smiled at me when she <laughs> brought me you. Do you know what I mean? Awesome. Um, Thank you. Um, just as, um, no, that's true, man. I really feel like that. I really feel like the universe is just, um, like a baboon at me, you know, with this new release. And you are a very, 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 um, key and critical part of that. Um, cause fact of the matter is, um, um, it gets back to that thing. I had this really devoted, modest following, but very loyal, but modest following, fans that I've developed over the course of all these years, but I did not know how to properly engage them in a modern 2014 social media platform. Did I already have a website? Of course. Is there already, were there already three Facebook pages for me, one Canadian-based fan uh, Facebook page, one um, band, Geneva Magnus band Facebook page, yes, and then my other Facebook page that I normally just spend a lot of time on. It's business, but it's friendly business. Um, yeah, I already had all of that stuff. And 5,000 followers, yeah, already done. But I didn't know how to engage, really engage these people. And I was very frustrated by that, by the way. I have a street team, but I didn't know how to engage them. Right. I had an email list, but I didn't know how to properly engage them. And what's happened by having the right marketing person that's you on board is that that has that has completely started it on fire and right. that's why the you know that's why I sold out the first pressing before the street date that's why I am having the radio chart activity that I've had that's why I um, you know have held the number one slot on blues radio across the nation more than three different times for consecutive weeks, not just a day, not just one week, consecutive weeks, three different times since the 24th of June. How many weeks is that? Right. Come on. Right. You know? Yeah, it's been pretty, pretty impressive. Long in the top 20. It's insane. I got up to number 18 on the Americana Blues charts. That's a whole new market, baby. Yeah. Which means it's a whole new demographic which means it's a whole new series of listeners, which means it's a whole new group of people buying tickets to the shows. I think about those kinds of things because my brain is very business-oriented. Here's another thing that we haven't talked about. 
and I'm just going to tip off listeners to this. Um, right when Facebook started getting launched in the first year or so, I took myself to a course in social media marketing at the at UCLA. I just did it because I knew that this this social media thing was going to blow up. I knew it, so I took myself to a a um, one day accelerated course at UCLA and to learn about what was coming because I felt very strongly that it was going to be the future and I was right. So I learned really, really a lot. I came home from that course, that one day accelerated course. I immediately called up the president of Alligator and told him we have to immediately, I asked him if he knew about Facebook. I asked him if he knew about the social media platforms I'm not going to quote what his response was, but basically he didn't want to get on board. Right. I knew you'd appreciate that. He didn't He didn't want anything to do with it. He thought it was just going to be a fad. Right. And my level of frustration accelerated at that point um, pretty high. And I just said, okay, fine. Because, because why? Because this is who I am as a person, which is part of what makes for good business. Okay, you go ahead and argue for the problem, and I'm just going to go over here and I'm going to take care of the solution. I'm going to do this myself. You're not on board with me? Okay, I'm moving on. I don't, I don't suffer that kind of thinking for very long. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. So I moved on and then just got my own Facebook stuff and blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, eventually, a year or so later, that company was on board with social media platforms. And then they were playing catch-up. Right. Even all of that, though, I'm telling you, even all of that, having done that, I took the course at UCLA, was critical, was really important information. Even that, I still did not have what I needed to properly engage what I was beginning to build Right. until now. I didn't have what I needed to properly engage what I was beginning to build until now, until I you know, got to start working with you. Period. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I think you I think, me that. I think as a, as a direct response marketer, um, you know, my focus is always on the cause and effect of the way you know the words you choose, the the calls to action that you put in front of people, and it's really about that that human flow. You know, I do this, and then that happens, and trying to. Uh, gain an understanding of human psychology and that, again, that cause and effect uh, so that I can put it into practice and drive people towards sales. And that's what I focus on. And it's that experience as a direct response marketer that I think is really helping me and helping me help clients and these kind of things. Uh, Whereas I think some of these other, you know, the more traditional educations focus more just on the platform and making you aware of what it can do, but not, they, they don't so much focus on um, what, how you can make the, the platform, you know, work for you and how you can accomplish your, your goals. That's, that's been my experience at any rate. Um, but just because, because I don't want to leave it out because it has been a part of it as well. You also have uh, publicity and radio, although they're not part of the, the record label per se. They're, they're people that you've brought in and, and hired to do certain things. Is that right? Definitely hired a radio promotions person for blues and definitely in my case hired a radio promotions uh, team uh, company person um, for um, Americana to push I think that the idea of pushing the envelope is a critical concept here is why particularly um, in this industry that we're in you know people you hear people all the time talking about how record sales are sinking Record sales are sinking. They're going away. Nobody's buying records. Nobody's buying records. There are, there are lots and lots of people in the music business these days that are what I think of as chicken little. They're chicken little. Right. Because they're used to this, they're used to this, this model, this massive, giant, monster model of this machine that, that sells millions of records and hundreds of thousands of records. They're used to that. They're not used to having to work the day and then day out, bust your nut kind of, kind of independent artistry, which is really as the, as the, the giant monster of the infrastructure of the music business as it came to be crumbles and falls apart. 
it's the best opportunity ever for the independent, for the fully independent artist to, to sort of rise out of the ashes of that, which is, I think, what is happening, you know, certainly in part with me. Um, you know, you can take, um, you can be very creative and, and, and gain a lot from the demise of the giant monster. And I think that that's really beautiful and really brilliant for those of us that are independent. Um, pushing the envelope is a critical part of making that happen. Um, needing to read, you know, I want to remain true as an artist to what I do. I've always said, I don't care where you market me, but you damn well better market me. I'm going to be what I am. I'm going to be who I am in the creative process of making music, but I need to be marketed in a broader scope than strictly blues. Sure. I need to, in order to to remain um, a vital artist, in order to be able to continue to work, I have to be marketed in a broader um, swath, in a broader demographic. So as my own label now, what I had to look at that, what do I have to do in order to push the sides of the envelope? What's going to make sense? And what made sense this time was pushing harder into Americana. Mm -hmm. So I hired, um, brought on board um, for the release for a limited window of time, not just blues radio, but also Americana radio, and also a publicist that was um, is a boutique publicist who has a very strong reputation, is very well respected, and this particular publicist does has done very well in blues and also has is very well respected in Americana. Right. So the fact of the matter is, is is that you could say it was quite calculated, but we all know that just because you make calculations doesn't mean that things happen. Sure. But this was quite calculated, and we got really, really lucky because <laughs> the universe responded. Right. It did, man. Yeah, it sure. It did. Sure. I love that part. I love that piece of it. I love the X factor. Yeah. I yeah, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole because I could talk about it for an hour, but you talked about I int- know. Uh, intention earlier and focusing attention and how yep. there's this weird invisible sort of connection between cause and effect there. And I've seen it as well so much in my life and career Uh, with even just business. There are days where I might have a website that I've neglected and and sales are down. And then I think to myself, you know, I, I need to really fluff the pillows on that and put some energy into it. And I have a elaborate plan for some promotion. And all I do is actually spend the first day kind of editing the website. I don't do anything that should have any kind of cause and effect on the physical universe. Uh, but all of a sudden, you know, sales, uh, it might not even be the website, you know, things that no one else can see. It's not having any outward change uh, in terms of visitors or right, customers. Right. And all of a sudden sales go right. up. And I see that time and time and time again. Yep. And I even go back to my very first record deal. Uh, with Interscope, what happened, I had been getting demo deal after demo deal, you know, for five years or something. I had had four demo deals, I think, and I couldn't get anybody to sign me. I couldn't get that that big check cut and didn't know what it was going to take and was pulling my hair out. It just felt like it was never going to happen. And I decided that if I was going to get a record uh, deal, I was going to have to get on the radio. I believed I had stuff that the consumer would connect with uh, and the radio would connect with. But for whatever reason, the industry wasn't seeing it. I wasn't playing that game correctly. And I spent uh, about a week calling every single person in my phone book. And as a club promoter, I had a very, you know, that took me like a week to call every single person that made any sense whatsoever and say, do you know anyone in radio or do you know anyone who knows anyone in radio? Can I get their number? Can you make an introductory call? I'm trying to get my song uh, spun. And I did that. And I did funnel my way all the way to the top and got a radio station to spin the song once. And apparently they got some phones and nothing actually happened from that. I didn't go on and, you know, didn't take off and I didn't get some big record deal as a result of that one action. But three months later or whatever it was, all of a sudden, uh, that same song got picked up through a tiny little demo deal, yet another demo deal, and got leaked. Apparently, this is a story that I heard. Um, I'm sure you know the details are slightly different, but the story I heard was the head of radio at Capital that was. Uh, this is going to be a, a song on a soundtrack for a, a movie. 
that came out years ago, and that Capital was going to put it out. And apparently the head of radio was leaving the company and kind of wanted to go out with a bang. And so he took the track, unbeknownst to any of us. We, we got a surprise call saying, hey, turn on the radio. You're on the radio. And it was that very track that I had gotten spun three months earlier suddenly spinning on K-Rock, getting phones, and then spread across the country, and then a whole bidding war happened. And so there was no literal cause and effect. My energy of calling people and say, hey, get me on the radio, did not spiral into a record deal. But that energy on that design is exactly what somehow happened in the universe. And and it was... Um, just a really powerful, uh, you know, lesson to learn. And I see that time and time again, if you're willing to work and, yes. and focus on those goals, things yeah. happen. And I don't know why, well, you know, you could get into physics and the wave, it literally, you know, it's the, the waveform does uh, of the electron does not collapse until it is observed by an observer and all this heady stuff. That's pretty mind blowing, but uh, there is, I, I'm convinced there yeah, is. You're absolutely right about that. But I just, I mean, and you can get, it is, it's like a, it's like a rabbit hole of, of, of where does it stop? Because we don't really have those answers. And I'm finally to the point where I just trust that that it is. Right. I know that it's true and I trust that it is. And I know that it, well, my side of the street is clean. What does that mean? I'm taking responsibility and doing what I need to do. I'm being a responsible human and I'm being a responsible businesswoman. Um, you know that um, that there is that there is some pattern, and that I want to be in the flow of that pattern. And I know that if I'm not being a responsible human and not being a responsible businesswoman, I will not be in the flow of that, that pattern. There will be static. I right. will not be in the flow. I have to be in the flow of it. Right. I have to keep I have to keep my stuff straight. It's funny when you were talking. I was flashing on when I first moved to L.A. Now I've been been you know coming at it so to speak um, for a while in terms of a music business career and doing odd jobs and having other jobs and working as a secretary and working as a waitress and working as a hotel maid and working as this and working as that and doing different stuff to pay my rent and trying to piece together gigs and and you know putting out you know, this and putting out that. And then I moved to LA. I moved from Phoenix, Arizona to LA. And I knew that in order to, to do that, and it was around 1986 that I was going to have to really, really up my, um, I was going to have to up the ante. So I started with, the, I started building the mailing list back then. Right. Very slowly. And I was, the, I was the artist that was constantly working. It's my primary relationship, by the way. In my case, it's my primary relationship. I have to have a structured, nowadays I have to have a structured certain amount of hours, certain amount of time that I try to adhere to that business gets, um, which is most of my time in my case. But I was flashing very hard when you were just talking on the fact that I used to make a postcard once a month. I would design a postcard and then I would hand address all the labels and then I would put the stamps on them and I would and I would have all my gigs on my two or three gigs that I had that month and I would I would take those to the post office I'd go to Kinko's I'd print the things out and then I'd take them to the post office and mail them out myself every month and I would be up you know I did that religiously for years John right way before there was social media way before the internet um, I think it sort of takes that level of focus and that level of intent and a little bit of insanity. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, to do this thing, to do yeah. this thing, and to make it happen. Sure. So one thing, if it's okay with you, I'd love to give people a sense of the budget you were working with, because again, I don't want people to feel intimidated. I think what you did, you know, while while I think you're way ahead of the pack in terms of how hard you work, and you know, you're obviously a very talented artist. You've got an, a, an incredible voice, and you've been out there doing this for a very long time. But in terms of those rock components, because I, I I love, I hear so many people really wanting to hold on. I'm always amazed by it, the, the ferocity in which independent artists will hold on to this idea that it's impossible to succeed. They seem to be more interested in holding on to this idea that you can't sell records, there's no more money to be made, the industry's dead. Um, and so if I give them any chance, not, not, not the core of my audience, my audience, you know, I think, I think these are 
some really driven business minded musicians, but out there as a whole, you know, I get, I get quite a lot of exposure out there in the independent music community. And, uh, it's more, it more tends to be sort of book dialogue than it does dialogue within my own community. But there are a lot of musicians that really, again, are holding on to this idea that it's impossible. But I don't think that any of the actual physical circumstances of your success are insurmountable. You know, t- talent is talent and that's its own thing. And that's a sort of different conversation. But the amount of money you came to the table with, the list size that you came to the table with, I, I don't think that this these were things that the average hardworking artists couldn't pull together. So again, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about budget, but do you want to give people a sense of, of how much money you had to work with going into this album, both on the budget or the, the recording <laughs> budget side and the, and the business side? Yeah, yeah, sure. That would be uh very, very little. Okay. Um, <laughs> Um, in terms of, uh, and what I want to say, let me, I'm going to say this at the beginning and the end of my statement here. Right. Stop listening to the naysayers. Stop it. Stop listening to Chicken Little. The sky's not falling. Things are just changing. If you can't navigate that, you don't know how to navigate that, learn how to navigate it. If you can't navigate it, get out of the way. Right. But stop listening the naysayers stop listening to chicken little because they're liars <laughs> they're frightened fear-based liars okay now having said that um you know the marketing budget ended up being i believe on this first wave of we sold out uh before the manufacturer and blew up and went into the um the ethos with the chart activity number one um, multiple times, number 18 on Americana charts, six consecutive songs in the top 20 over the course of the summer, at, you know, all at the same time kind of thing, under $300. Wow, yeah. yeah this incredible. is the part where people start cursing. Yeah. This is where they start cursing, under $300 and a, and a, and a, and a proper team and a great deal of intent. Right. Very focused intent. Recording budget. Recording budget um, was, I believe, less. It was definitely less than forty grand. Right. In the scheme of things, and that, by the way, I didn't start out with forty thousand dollars in my pocket. I started out with five thousand dollars in my pocket. You sorry, we, uh, we, lo- we lost you there. What five was that? How much did you start out with? Five grand. Gotcha. So you structured this. And so, how did it climb to forty grand? Did you work out a sort of percentage-based thing or percentage of earnings? How did how did it climb? Combination of that, as well as um, as things began to come together musically, then um, more funds came in. It was a little bit of the "if you build it, she will come." Right. A little bit of that. Right, and so that entire budget, that faith on the faith. Right, but that that budget eventually came out of pocket, or does that include some of the, uh, you know, um, are there are there as part of that forty thousand money to be recouped by Dave or you know any part of your production team, or was that all out of pocket stuff? Yeah, yeah, no, there's 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 points and so on and so forth there, but yes, definitely under under forty grand and. no, that's when you had talk about budget. I was, I was like, well, exactly, what was it? Because there's some, right. there is some recouping that's that's um, in place for that. But, but now that does not include advertising in sure. terms of that doesn't include marketing in terms of radio or publicist. That's a whole other, that's a whole other category. But you saying how much to make a record and how did that happen? I started out with five grand. Right. That well, first wave of advertising in terms of Marketing, actually marketing, not the radio or the or the um, publicists themselves as separate entities, but the rest of the marketing mm-hmm. under three hundred dollars. It's right. madness. Right. And that what did you say? That spend? accessible. Yeah, it really and, is um, incredible what can be done with a, a, a bit of money. I didn't know if you were going to talk about that figure, but I know from my end, just in terms of advertising that I personally spent on day one of your release when it dropped, it was at about 169 bucks, if I remember. Um, Hello? <laughs> but, 
Hello. But, but, um, but talk about the, you know, the, again, I'm just trying to get a sense of going into it, not so much money that had to be paid if the album profited, but just going into it, like how much money did you have to actually pull together? So you started off, I mean, before the album dropped, had you spent that entire $40,000 or was a portion of that um, generated off of the sales that came in? Definitely a, um, a chunk of that was generated off the sales. Right. So Definitely how m- a chunk of that was generated off the sales. I guess I'm, I'm sort of beating around the bush, but I just want to kind of put it out there how affordable some really top quality albums can be if you find the right producer who believes in you and is willing to work on some points and things like that. I know I've made albums for as little as $10,000 from very talented people that would have right. uh, cost hundreds of thousands of dollars if I had a label to, to sort of fund it. You know, you'll find these people that believe in you and are willing to do things for a lot less than their rate if they have the time and if you're cool to them and, you know, and there's a little bit of back end there. Um, so, and in terms of, cause I was impressed with the amount of money, the small amount of money you spent on radio. Are you able to talk about that? I don't know if that's something you can go into. Um, the budget for, um, blues radio, because it's, it's a very specific and smaller scope of a market. Mm-hmm. Um, generally speaking is, um, is, um, pretty modest, you know, certainly under three grand, um, the budget for Americana radio is under five grand. Um, and that is, you know, a lot of the, I need to say this because it's a critical piece of it. People don't want to give you a deal unless they see a reason to give you a deal. Right. They're either going to give you a deal on their services because they A, smell money, or B, because they're your friend. Right. There is an exchange that occurs. Sometimes it's financial, sometimes it's other stuff, another form of energy. Because money's just really energy, that's all it is, and yes, you sure. need it and all that, but it's just a form of energy. Um, finding a producer that believes in me, priceless. Finding other key individuals, marketing, general manager that believe in me, absolutely priceless. Sure. Absolutely priceless. I can't put a I can't put a value on that because it's impossible. Um, the out of pocket um, has definitely been on the modest side of things, and I started with very little in my pocket, like I said. Um, um, and people have been gracious and patient, and I'm grateful for that. And so. Um, I think I answered. Did yeah, I? yeah. Long story short, just to sort of wrap that up, would you say would you say it's fair um, to suggest that a person could begin the process of um, setting up a record that had real potential at radio and at uh, retail for as little as maybe ten thousand on the on the recording side and ten thousand on the marketing side? Uh, obviously, you know, there's going to be additional expenses as sales start to come in if things click. Uh, but would you say that it, it, that's a reasonable budget that one might be able to pull it off Go, going into it, going into release day? I think you, know? you can totally do that. I yeah. think you, yeah, I think you can totally do that. Um, um, I think you have to watch everything. I think you sure. have to be willing to work way harder than you ever have in your life. And I think that it depends on the size of the dragon that you want to slay. Sure. You have to gauge that. Right. And then you have to have a certain amount of faith. But it's totally doable. That's totally doable. Right. Yeah. Is it hard? Yeah. I think it's worth it. You know, hard. if hard frightens you, you're in the wrong business. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think it's worth pointing out that because you make blues, and I know your current album kind of transcends just that genre, but um, but that ultimately defines you, I, I think it's fair to say, as an artist. Um, that's certainly been your history. And I see it time and time again. I, I have people coming to me feeling that, well, I like what you're teaching, but I'm, I'm a jazz musician, or I make children's music. Uh, so I don't know if it's going to work for me and they all think this is geared for you know rock and roll acts and singer songwriters and the truth is well it certainly can be used and is most commonly used with those acts because they are more plentiful the acts that i more consistently see having success with this stuff are very niched out uh acts when you 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 said it very well when you said it depends on the size of the dragon you're trying to slay if you're going to put out a pop album that is a massive massive dragon and you're going to have a really hard time with a limited budget but if 
if you're a blues artist or a yeah. jazz artist or some, one of these smaller genres, you've got it is doable. And I say this because it's worth considering because a lot of people might see themselves, say, as a singer-songwriter, but there might be another subgenre in there with with which a little bit of focus and, and sort of perhaps, again, re... It's not redefining the narrative. It's polishing up the narrative to match the circumstances, you know, the, the opportunities that are available to you. Um, we all have um, many different sides to, you know, to, to our, our proverbial coin um, as artists. And I think that you can focus on just one of those sides and, and pull out a story that an audience will have a much easier time grabbing grabbing onto than if you were to just go broad and go I'm a I'm a singer songwriter because you could be doing that right now you could be calling yourself a singer songwriter and be lost in uh, this g- enormous pool but y- because there is this other yeah. uh, element to it it is blues music it is Americana and your team is focused on that and and you as an artist is focused on that. Uh, over the years, uh, I think you... It's, it's, Here's another thing we haven't talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Here's another thing we haven't talked about. I want to say this in closing. Sure. Um, and I've had, like, big, big, big-time mucky muck managers ask me this question. Okay, that's great. You're a singer-songwriter. Here's what they say. You're, you're doing all this stuff. That's great. That's great. What's your charity? <laughs> and I go, what? And they go, what's your charity? And I said, well... What do you mean? What's my charity? And it's like, well, do you have something that is near to your heart that you stand up for that is a some sort of cause that is a charitable cause? Do you have something like that that you're attached to? If you don't have something like that, find something like that. Make it real, by the way. Don't just sure. find one to have one. Got to be real. And I happen to have that. I happen to have that tether already because that's the person that I am. But it is really important in terms of of people seeing us as more than just this entity that plays music and tours and writes songs. You know, it, what it does is it, you know, I had to become willing to unveil more of my humanity publicly. Right. I'm willing to do that. And, but I think it's really important to have a charity and it's the right thing to do. It's not even talking, you know, it's the right thing to do, you know, right. It just really, really, really is. So what is it? Is it Sea Shepherd? Is it, you know, in my case, it's, it's uh, you know, youth at risk, it's kids at risk. That's my deal, you know. And that's all over my marketing uh, stuff, as you know. Sure. So I think that's important for people to, to try to embrace, and it's important for the world. And I hope that that's not off uh, for me to say that in this interview. Right. No, not, not at all. Not at all. Um, one, I think, important part of this, and I don't know if you know the answer to this. Uh, if you literally have to ask um, me any questions on that uh, on this, we we can do that because I've been sort of the guy behind the scenes on this one point. But you talked a lot about engaging the base, and that was yes. a huge factor here. That was a big part of what led to um, this early success at any rate of this album um, was that you had this audience that was out there, all these people that you had made impressions on over the years, but didn't really know how to motivate them and move them and uh, drive them towards an action. And and ultimately, that's yeah. sort of where I came on board and, and helped with that process. And uh, like I said, uh, what was interesting to me is that when I had come on, you had already marketed to the list. You had already gone after pre-orders and we were able to increase uh, those sales by something like 600% or something like that from going out to a list that had already been marketing. That's, that's right. To. And we just did that. It was just a switch in approach. Yeah. And do you want to talk about that? Do you, are, are, do you, I don't, like I said, I don't mean this to sound weird, but do you, are you aware of those, those sort of principles and components? Because again, you were on the sort of outside and I was sort of pushing the buttons and, and getting cues from you in terms of that language. But I was sort of the, the architect there. And you want to talk about that and, and how that, how you were able to do that? Because there's a lot of people listening that have these audiences, have been performing. And yet when they put out their album, they're posting it on Facebook and, and their mom and four friends are buying it. And that's all that's really happening. You um, definitely um, were the, um, the captain of that um, entire, um, um, for lack of better um, 
language skills, I'm going to call it call and response. Sure. It was a call and response. I had people. I had the I had the group there, but I did not know how to engage them. I didn't know how to to let them know what was what had been happening, what was about to happen. I was, you know, and um and give them that information which motivated them to turn around and say we support you and here's how we support you. We are going to buy your record. We are going to shout. We're not going to just buy your record. We're going to shout about your journey from the mountaintops. You right. know what I mean, I didn't know that giving them, um, I don't quite know how to articulate it. No, it, it's fair All enough. I know is fair that, enough. all I know is that definitely, um, the spike I hate to use the word spike the 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 it's more like it blew it up it's more like you blew it up dude you blew up my my um my fan base and gave them what it was I didn't even know what they were looking for I didn't know what they wanted it wasn't it it wasn't um I don't think it was terribly complicated it was just very very pointed and very focused I didn't know that they really wanted to know that much about what was happening in my journey. Right. And because I, through your encouragement, um, gave them more information about that. In other words, the writing of the songs, what it looks like here, it's me, it's personal, you know, yeah, I'm working another 15 hour day. It's two in the morning and I'm in my office. Um, little video clips that you said, now we need to do this because people really want to see that it's you and that it's not some false presence behind you. Right. The authenticity to allow them to see more authenticity from me to be willing to be that vulnerable with them and then put that on a social platform and to be okay with that. It's like, it's like they, they went nuts. Right. Right. Well, they for, were like piranha from my perspective, I think all that's, Right, right. Uh, well, from my my perspective, you know, what it really was was uh, simply defining a, a narrative, I, and I think that's a huge part of this for everybody. Is that it's like script writing. You can have a great story, but if you're not hitting these beats that the human heart and human mind are kind of, it, whether it's accustomed to to being exposed to, whether or whether it's something inherent in us that you know Joseph Campbell and people like that really focused on myth and, you know, there seems to be these themes, uh, there seem to be these themes that we as humans uh, respond to. And we find that this is true with script writing. Again, you could take a great story, but if it doesn't hit these beats and if the scene doesn't sort of turn at a certain point where, you know, where it typically does, we don't respond in the same way. And I think as artists, we're not just looking for music. Of course, we're looking for good songs and that has to be there, but we're, we're looking to align ourselves with a tribe and we need to be able to identify that these, these artists, singers, songwriters, such as yourself, um, are are the leaders of tribes and and by simply uncovering that hook that stump speech that theme that narrative in every artist's career and we all have them uh you can take something that people might miss and give them something to latch onto you know i think your audience was out there going yeah we love you so so, so what now and by going and really brushing off the the unimportant stuff and focusing on where you are at right now which is sort of the fight of your life you yeah. know going independent and showing showing people that you're walking out on a a, a very thin wire without a net and you needed their support it allowed them to grab onto you and uh, take part in your journey whereas if you had just said i have another album coming out you should check it out you probably would have missed you probably it, wouldn't have given them anything to hang yep. their hat on yep well, and here's the other thing that I didn't that I didn't realize because my shows are very, very, very personal. When you sure. come to see me live, it's a personal deal. I take it personal. I take my work personal. It's a personal trip. And anybody in the audience has at least a piece of that kind of sense and feeling. But what I didn't know how to do was to do that to take what I didn't understand was that 
and this isn't, don't take this the wrong way, that needed to translate on a broader swath to what I was doing in terms of marketing, how it was being done, and where it was being put. I wasn't, I, none of it is fiction. There's not one thread of fiction. Sure, here. sure. Not one thread of fiction. It's all very real. It's all very sincere. It is completely authentic. It is totally me. I had to take the, the sense of that from the live show, give it to you, and you put it out there. We put it out there together. Right. And that blew up. I didn't know how to do that. Right. I didn't know how to do that. Right. I needed, you know, the right team. I needed the right marketing person in place that wasn't going to say to me, well, you can't be that vulnerable with these people. This is a public platform. Right. Well, you my can't do that. You can't, you can't be yourself. You can't be yourself that much. Don't do that. Right, right. Well, my my whole career, I always heard about people yeah. saying, we need a story. We need to talk about the story. Let's find the story. And I never knew what they meant. I thought, well, what does that mean, that I'm a artist from Hawaii? Is that the story you're looking for? I never understood it. And I now, having hmm. under, uh, come to understand this through completely different channels, I don't think the people that were telling me this understood it. They just knew it when they saw it, you know, whether it was Jewel who slept in her van uh, as a starving artist. You know, that was her story. Uh, whether it was Beck making music with a leaf blower. You know, er, er, most of these artists, you know, Guns N' Roses, sort of living in a rehearsal studio down a dingy Hollywood alley and, and selling beer out of a trunk of a car and while they performed. You know, all of these bands have this narrative, this thing that was easy to grab onto. And I think defining that and then just simply using whatever channels are available to us at the time and they're going to change. You know, it was MySpace once, now it's Facebook and it'll be something else in a few years. Um, and using something like your email list to galvanize those people and just make sure that you are getting that narrative in front of people with a few calls to action along the way. It's It really is sort of that that simple. And I think I think that process is very unclear to a lot of artists and it was really amazing even to me to see how to come in very late in the game with a relatively small list that had already been marketed to and to see that by just putting this this spin on it and, and again it's not a spin but by just giving them the right core elements to grab onto they really did grab on and and as you say the the success speaks for itself and debuting at number five on billboard and being really the number one album at blues radio for much of the summer. Um, but I know you got to go. Um, exactly. Let's, exactly. Let's talk about, you know, just really quickly, let's sign off with how, how people can learn about more about you and, and listen to your music. Where can they buy your stuff? Right. So janovamagnus.com is a great place to find out about me, to sign up for my email list. Um, I also have a store there, uh, also iTunes. Everything's available on iTunes and all the other outlets and um, so on and so forth. But the main hub, shall we say, of, uh, of information for me is my website, janovamagnus.com. There's also um, my Facebook band page, Magnus Band. Uh, as a musician um, is a great place to go and, and like me on there. I would, I would love if you'd like me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, just, just love that you like me, like me, like me, like me. Um, And um, sounds like a song. Yeah. Come to the show, man. If I'm, you know, if you go to my website, you sign up on the email list, you're going to find out when I am going to be, um, in your neighborhood, so to speak. And by the way, I tell everyone that signs up for my email list that I keep it, I take it very personal that you give me your personal information and I don't sell it or give it away to anybody, period. Yeah. Just know that because it's important. And so sign up on my email list and then about once a month, I don't fill your email box up, but about once a month, You'll get a you'll get a little note from me that tells you where I'm going to be. Unless there's some sort of special event going on, you'll get more than one email. You know, but most email a month, it's not a big deal. And you'll find out when I'm going to be around. Come to the show. Come get the live experience, please. 
Cool, cool. Well, as I said before, you know, Geneva's the real deal. You should de- definitely check her out if you're a fan of blues or roots or Americana music. Uh, it's great stuff, and uh, she's, she's, again, really just the real deal. It's been uh, a lot of fun to work with someone who works as hard as she does, and uh, it's been fantastic to um, have some success uh, through the process, So, uh, or uh, as a result. I appreciate I appreciate you so much, John. I, I pre- really appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. And your your and your authenticity and you you just you you just work really really hard. I'm very very grateful for that. And and you know the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding because to have me be fully independent, the little guy who could have easily done a complete belly flop on this thing, and that was far from that. The number one blues record of the summer, number 18 on the Americana charts you know, basically coming out of nowhere. I mean, it's been crazy. It's been beautiful and crazy. I'm real grateful for it. Oh, awesome. Uh, well, thanks again. Thanks for very much for joining us, and, and you have a great rest of your day, Jenna. Thanks, John. I sure appreciate it. Take care. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, once again, a big thanks to Geneva Magnus for joining us on this call and sharing all the details of her story. It's not every artist that is comfortable sharing uh, some of the real numbers, you know, the size of her list and these kinds of things and uh, the amount of money that she spent on the on the record, or at least initially, that got her got her going. And I think those numbers are very helpful. So I really appreciate her sharing that. If you'd like to help support Geneva and her mission to get her music out there and really show the world uh, or show the industry at least that it's not all about being the biggest, mightiest record label of them all, but that hard work and and talent uh, is actually enough, then uh, I'd like to encourage you to pick up her album. Again, you can uh, do so at janavamagnus.com. If you're listening to this at at uh, musicmarketingmanifesto.com. There'll be a link somewhere in relation to this this audio. Um, uh, you can also, of course, go to iTunes. Her most recent release, as she mentioned, is called Original. Uh, be sure to pick it up. It's a fantastic album, and uh, I think you'll dig it. So so check it out, genovamagnus.com, or head on over to iTunes and pick up a copy of Original by Geneva Magnus. So thanks for listening. If you like this episode and want to help the cause, be sure to head on over to iTunes. If you haven't already, click subscribe and leave us a comment. Those comments really help. They are a big part of the iTunes uh, rating system. You know, they, it, the number of ratings and comments really help determine who shows up first when someone is searching for a uh, music industry podcast. And so if you want to leave a review, that will really help. Uh, that's about it. If you'd like to learn more about how to market your music, then uh, as Uh, We've mentioned before, always head over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for a free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Uh, And until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast with John Ojaka. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint.